Okay, guys, welcome to another Jesus Rant. Pastor Tom Carter, Word Without Walls Ministry. This is episode 44, A Covenant God, Part 1. And I have a feeling that this is probably going to be kind of a longer series, because when you're talking about the covenants in the Bible, you're really kind of talking about the backbone of the Bible, because our God, as the title would suggest, is a covenant God. And there are really a lot, a lot, a lot of covenants in the Bible. That's how God rolls. That's who he is. He makes a covenant and then, you know, the, he, he sets that and then it comes to pass. And I really want to move kind of fast today because I'm going to focus on, I think, five uh, what I consider to be major covenants in this series, and I want to do two of them today. I want to talk about Noah and about Abraham today, and I have a lot to say about both of them and a lot of scripture I want to read, so I want to kind of move through it quickly. But the five covenants that I'm going to focus on in this series are God's covenants with Noah, Abraham, Israel, David, and then the new covenant. And when we talk about the new covenant, we're going to talk about uh, really kind of the differences between the old and the new. We're going to talk about why we needed to move from the old into the new, how we moved from the old into the new, and what it means to no longer be under the old, but under the new. So I think we're going to do at least three parts to this series, but depending on uh, some of the stuff about the old and new covenant that we really get into, it may be even more than that. But like I said, for today, I want to do Noah and Abraham. And when we're talking about Noah, of course, we're talking about the flood and we're talking about the ark. And I don't want to go too much into all the history of that. I want to move right to the first use of the word covenant in the Bible. And it is in Genesis chapter six. I want to read verses 17 and 18. It reads, look, I am about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die. But I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. And what we see here, and again, of course, when the, the New Living Translation says boat, but we know that we're talk that God is talking about the ark that he told Noah to build. We know about the ark of the covenant, which we're going to get into even more later. And we know that this is all type and shadow of Jesus. Jesus is the ark. He, when God said, I'll confirm my covenant with you, so enter the boat or enter the ark, he's saying, enter Jesus. And that's how we live because that's God's covenant. The first covenant that God ever made with man was, I'm going to purge the world of evil and I want you to live. God's covenant with man is life. And what we're going to see by the time we get done with, uh, with the episode today is that it's not just life, it's Jesus's everlasting life. It's an everlasting covenant. It's it's God saying he's going to do something and then doing it. That was always how God operated. He would send a prophet or he would speak, you know, sometimes even like we see right here, he would speak on his own behalf or he would send a prophet to go tell the people what he was saying and he would always tell them what he was going to do and then he would do it. He would always put his money where his mouth was. Even when we see in the New Covenant with in, in, in the New Testament with Jesus, Jesus told 
he said, no greater love can a man have than to lay his life down for his friends. And then he went to the cross and he laid his life down for us. He didn't just say it. He did it. He showed us his love. He told us what it is and then he did it. That's what it means to God to have a covenant or to be a, a, a covenant God. When he says it, he's going to do it. And, and you know, as we're going to see with Abraham, sometimes it doesn't work on our time frame, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't work. Sometimes we try to take a shortcut like Abraham did. And we talked about a lot of this Abraham stuff in, in, uh, in the Father of Faith episode, which is available in the archives. You can go back and listen to that one if you want to. But my point is, is that God, when he says something's going to come to pass, it is. It may not be the way we think it should be. It may not be the time frame we think it should be in. But if he says it, he will do it. He will bring it. And that's one of the things that we're going to see again when, when we talk about Abraham is really God said, I will confirm my covenant with you. But really, when God makes a covenant, he makes it with himself. And that way it will come to pass because that way he's not depending on anybody else to bring it to pass. He's depending on himself to bring it to pass. He's, he's, he's a covenant God because he holds up both ends of the covenant. He says, I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat. And of course that took faith on Noah and his family's parts to enter the boat. But really the covenant was God saying, I'm going to bring a flood and who's ever in the boat will live. So that was going to be true no matter what man did. When man entered into or, or took part in God's covenant, that's when man got to enjoy the benefits of God's covenant. And this is important too. I'm going to read this, uh, the definition of the word covenant, but stick it in your mind because it, because it come, becomes really important when we look at Abraham and his covenant. Covenant is number 1285 in Strong's Hebrew Concordance, and it means in the sense of cutting, a compact because it's made by passing between pieces of flesh, confederacy, covenant, or league. Remember that idea of passing between pieces of flesh. Whoever passes between, like like they would, and, and again, we're going to see this with Abraham, they would take uh, an offering, an animal, and they would literally cut it in half and put the halves on either side, and whoever passed between those two pieces, that's who the covenant was made between. That's who the compact or the league was made between. If you passed between uh, uh, the offering, you were part of the covenant. And we're going to see that again uh, very importantly when we talk about Abraham. But first, I want to read a little bit more about Noah. I want to read Genesis 9, 7 through 17. And again, I'm going to read a lot of this, but I want to move through it quickly. Genesis 9, starting with verse 7, reads, Now be fruitful and multiply, I'm sorry, multiply and repopulate the earth. Then God told Noah and his sons, I hereby confirm my covenant with you and your descendants and with all the animals that were on the boat with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, every living creature on earth. Yes, I am confirming my covenant with you. Never again will floodwaters kill all living creatures. Never again will a flood destroy the earth. Then God said, I am giving you a sign of my covenant with you and with all living creatures for all generations to come. 
I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is the sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. Verse 14. When I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds, and I will remember my covenant with you and with all living creatures. Never again will the floodwaters destroy all life. When I see the rainbow in the clouds, I will remember the eternal covenant between God and every living creature on earth. Then God said to Noah, yes, this rainbow is the sign of the covenant I am confirming with all the creatures on earth. And I wanted to read that because, again, it's what we have to understand with God's covenants is in this case, he said he made an eternal covenant. He made an everlasting covenant, but not all of God's covenants are everlasting. As we're going to see with with the new covenant, the new covenant came about after the old covenant ended. The old covenant was put in place for a time and for a season and for a specific people. And that's why it's so important that we understand that we on this side of the cross are not under the old covenant. We on this side of the cross, are not ruled by the the law of Moses or the Ten Commandments. That was put in place for a time and a reason that we're going to get into uh, in a couple of weeks here. But that was not forever. That was not an everlasting covenant. If God makes an everlasting covenant or an eternal covenant, he specifically states that. He makes sure that we uh, we understand that. And, and, and again, when, when we're looking at this eternal covenant between God and every living creature on earth, He was talking about, again, life. He was talking about get in the boat and live. You know, a a couple of weeks ago, we talked about wash and be clean. Well, in another another little phrase like that is, you know, enter the ark and live. Because Jesus is that ark. Jesus is our life. He is the eternal, everlasting, abundant resurrection life of God. And that's the covenant that God made with Noah was uh, 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 an eternal covenant of him uh, 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 of God not destroying um, the earth, which is kind of odd when you think about how there's a, a kind of a traditional religious view that says, well, you know, God's going to rapture us out of here and he's going to destroy the earth, which I never understood because God gave us the earth as our inheritance. God gave us the days of heaven on earth. Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So why would God give us a present and then also take us away from the present and destroy the present? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like I said, I I have a lot to say and I want to move quickly through this. So let's move on to Abraham. And I'm going to do Abraham a little bit uh, backwards almost. I'm going to do... Uh, first, I want to read Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. And then I want to read Genesis 15, chapter 6. So when we're looking at Abraham, his covenant with God is uh, it's a little bit different. It's about basically kind of kind of what God said to Noah, it, it's it's about being fruitful and multiplying, really. Um, it's about having descendants. It's about God's seed. It's about knowing, really, and, and we're going to see this too, it's about knowing yourself as God knows you 
and it's about understanding not just what you are or where you are, but who you are. So, so but first, let's look at Genesis 17. Genesis 17, I want to read verses 1 through 7. And this is Abram. Uh, he's going to get a name change, and he's going to be given the, uh, uh, the covenant. So it says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. And I don't think God was saying, if you serve me faithfully and live a blameless life, I will give you this. I think God was telling Abram how to live a blameless life, which is by serving God faithfully. If you serve God faithfully, that is a blameless life. Verse 2, I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. So again, it's that idea of, of be fruitful and multiply. At this, Abram fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm, here we go again, God is confirming, I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting, he's making it clear again, he's, he's, he's telling us, uh, make no bones about it, make no mistake, he's confirming his everlasting covenant. He says, this is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God, and the God of your descendants after you. So the two covenants really in a nutshell that we've seen with uh, Noah and with Abraham are enter the ark and live and be fruitful and multiply. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants. And that's important too, is we're going to see uh, when, when, when we end the, uh, the episode tonight. But... Now let's back up to Genesis 15, and I want to start with verse 6 and read all the way down through verse 17. And this is, to me, uh, vitally important that we understand uh, th this aspect. And this is coming back to the, the uh, definition of the word covenant, which is in the sense of cutting or a compact because it is made by passing between pieces of flesh. So... Genesis chapter 15, starting with verse 6, reads, And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as a possession. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? Which, you know, we see a lot in the Bible is, God will say something and people will doubt it. But even Abram or, or Abraham, the father of faith, and, and again, we talked about this a lot in, in that episode, he had doubts. His faith needed to grow, and it did grow as God proved himself faithful, as God showed himself to be uh, a covenant God. It says, but Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? The Lord told him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, 
a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So Abram presented all these to him and killed them. Then he cut each animal down the middle and laid the halves side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. Some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abram chased them away. As the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a terrifying darkness came down over him. Then the Lord said to Abram, You can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. And again, that's, you know, that's the people of Israel who, who were slaves in Egypt. He said, But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, and in the end they will come away with great wealth, which, if you, if you know the story of the people of Israel, is exactly what happened. He says in verse 15, As for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land, for the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction. All right, and here's where we want to go. Verse 17. After the sun went down and darkness fell, Abram saw a smoking firepot and a flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcasses. The two things that passed between the carcasses and entered into the compact were God and God. He made a covenant with himself and he included Abram, who would, who would you know soon be Abraham, in the covenant. And that's important because uh, let's look at it in Hebrews chapter 6 because it really uh, kind of goes in depth and explains it. Hebrews chapter 6 verses 15 through 20. And it reads, Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised, which is not exactly true unless you look at Abraham's story through the eyes of grace, unless you look at it cross-eyed, because as we know, Abraham tried to take a shortcut to get what was promised to him. He, he uh, instead of trusting God to bring forth the promised child through uh, his wife, Abraham, you know, slipped into his... Uh, his servant's tent and, and tried to make the promise come true that way. But, uh, but God doesn't see it that way in, 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 in the, the grander scheme of things in the grander scheme of things, even though, uh, the flesh was weak, the spirit was willing, if I can say it that way. So it says, then Abraham waited patiently and he received what God had promised. Now, when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So since there was nothing higher that God could swear on than himself, he made the covenant with himself. And like it says, these two things are unchangeable for, his, for it is impossible for God to lie. 
And that doesn't mean that uh, God can't, that, that God isn't allowed to lie. It means that whatever God says is true. If God said, you know, the, the sky is purple, the sky would be purple. And, and that would be the truth. Whatever God says is true because whatever he says has that uh, power of creation and, 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 and it, you know, it, he is truth. So whatever he says is true because he makes it true. So if he says something is going to come to pass, it's going to come to pass. Um, if he says, I'm going to do this, he's going to do it. If he says, I'm making this covenant with you, it's going to come to pass. That's really what, what I wanted to hit uh, to to build my foundation for the rest of this series today uh, is just uh, the idea of his first two major covenants being life and not just life, but his life, his eternal life. These two eternal covenants that he made uh, enter the ark and live and be fruitful and multiply which is really kind of what he told Adam way back in the garden before uh, Adam and Eve ate of the wrong tree and, and, and kind of, uh, you know, stepped out of that covenant in, in, a, in a sense, in a manner of speaking. People call it the fall of man, but uh, really, to me, it was more of the, uh, the choice uh, of man because God does always give us a measure of free will. And I say a measure of free will because when Jesus went to the cross and was lifted up from the earth and drew all men into him. Uh, we didn't, we weren't given a choice in that and thank God that we weren't because he was undoing, uh, the, the bad choice that we had made. He was, uh, fulfilling his covenant of life and he was bringing us out of death and into life. And that's the main shift and the main change between the old covenant and the new covenant. The letter of the law is death, but the spirit is life in Christ Jesus. <laughs> So what we have to understand and what, what I hope we can see here, especially it, 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 between what we saw in Genesis and what we see here in Hebrews, is that when God makes a covenant, he holds up both ends of the bargain and he includes us in it because of his love for us. When God promised Abraham a child, Abraham thought, okay, so I have to make this happen. And God said, no, I'm going to make it happen. I'm just using you to make it happen. I always say, you know, uh, whenever people always say, oh, God works in mysterious ways. I absolutely agree with that because for the most part, God works through people and people can be super mysterious. I gave up a long time ago trying to figure out why people do some of the things that they do. And, and, and really, I think for the most part, people do what they do because they think it's the best thing to do at the time. And I think it's because they're trying to get from the start of the day to the end of the day. I don't think people, sometimes they are, but for the most part, I don't think people are necessarily malicious. I think they're just super selfish and self-centered and can't see past themselves. And they don't always realize the effect that their actions will have on other people. I think a lot of times when you get hurt by somebody, it's more collateral damage than it is anything intentional. And again, there are some times when it is intentional, but even then, you know, the Bible says, uh, I just blanked on who, who it was Joseph, I think, said, you know, you meant it for evil, but God used it for good. So even if somebody, you know, I, I always say don't take it personal, even if it is. And even if it is personal, God can still use that for his good. 
the book of Romans says all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So the, the, the key is to understand that. Uh, let me say it like this. We think that we're holding on to God. And sometimes we think, you know, I'm getting to the end of my rope. And, and, and if you if you're getting to the end of your rope, I always say tie a knot in it and hold on. But we think we have to do more. We have to hold on. We have to clutch harder. When the truth of the matter is, is no matter how hard we think we're holding on to God, actually what's happening is he's holding on to us and he's never going to let go of us. One of my favorite verses in the Message Bible is in the book of Revelation where it says, look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood. And I once heard a preacher say, and when that happened, property value went way up because, of course, you know, we are kingdom. We are the neighborhood. We are the house that God built for himself to live in. Uh, when he moved into the neighborhood, he moved into us. So our value went way up in a sense. But what I'm trying to say is, is that God moved in and he has no intention of moving out. And if he needs to do some spring cleaning in our lives, he's willing to do that. He's patient. Uh, he's long suffering. He, he, he doesn't see you as a money pit. Even if you see yourself as a fixer-upper, God sees you as you truly are, which is a mansion that he has chosen to live in. So we don't have to worry about uh, picking flower petals and saying, he loves me, he loves me not, because we know that uh, his covenant is eternal. And uh, if we go forward a couple of chapters in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, the Bible says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And again, that's important for us because that is a, uh, a foundation for our faith to build on. We know he doesn't change his mind. We know he doesn't go, I love you. I love you not. Oh, you had a bad day today. I'm not sure I love you today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the truth and the truth never changes. The truth is the truth, whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not. Uh, the, the, the cool part is when you know, okay, so let me say it like this. The truth has set us free and made us free, but it's the truth, you know, that allows you to experience and enjoy that freedom. And that's why preaching the gospel is so important and sharing the truth, sharing the freedom, not saying you need to be freed, but saying you are freed. Uh, when, when we looked at, you know, washing and being clean in the old covenant, you had to go wash so that you could be clean. But in the new covenant, we saw that God washed us and we are clean. It, it, it it's not the old covenant. And again, we're going to go into this a lot more in this series. The old covenant was all about what you do. It was about trying to earn your bread by the sweat of your brow. And then Jesus came and he prayed so hard that he sweated and he sweated so hard that he bled and his blood hit that cursed ground and reversed the curse and brought us out of that old covenant and into the new covenant. Uh, it, it's not about your sweat. It's about your blood. It's not about what you do. It's about who you are and what you do flows from who you are. What you do flows from what you believe. So I want to read one more verse to close us out today. I know I moved fast and I know I kind of uh, uh, tried to cover a lot today to build this foundation, but uh, hopefully I'll, I'll probably do Israel and David next week, but I want to, 
you you guys you know my heart i want to try to take things slow and i want to try to uh give us something to chew on but not to choke on but i think this covenant stuff is important especially today in this dimension of not really understanding sometimes what God has done for us and what it means for us. And that's what I want to say today about his covenant is when God makes a covenant with you, he's really making a covenant with himself and including you in it. What passed between uh, the, the animals was the lamp and the light, which you could see, you could see that as the father and the son. What passed through that? Abraham w- wasn't anywhere near it. He was watching, and, and and I think it's interesting too that it happened when it was dark that the light began to shine. When you know, in the beginning, God, when God created the heaven and the earth, we were dark and void and without form. And then God said, "Let there be light." We didn't have anything to do with that. He did what needed to be done. Uh, uh, in the covenant with Abraham, God Himself passed through uh, the 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 cut uh, the the cut pieces of flesh. He made the covenant with Himself and included us in it. And that's what uh, kind of to me what John three sixteen says. It reads, "For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life." God gave us that life. He made that covenant with himself and he includes us in it through our faith. If we believe, we get to experience the life that he has already given us. That's God's covenant with humanity with with or as we saw with Noah, that's God's covenant with all living creatures is life. So, uh we're going to continue this for the next couple of weeks at least. Um as always, Thank you for all the support. Thank you for helping me get this word without walls out. And we will see you next week. Okay, well, if you enjoyed that, I want to invite you to check out my website, jesusrant.com. You can get my daily rants on there. You can uh, get the my books that are written on there. They're also on Amazon. I have an author's page on Amazon. Um, I've written a lot of books. I'm pretty proud of them. You can order them. I try to keep them cheap because I don't like to pay a lot of money for books, and I don't think people should have to pay a lot of money for mine. So check that out. Um, If you want to support the podcast itself, you can find it on anchor.fm. If you just search for Jesus Rant, Um, you can support it monetarily. You can support it by uh, liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it, and you you can support it, excuse me, by word of mouth, by telling people about it, uh, helping other people listen, find it and listen to it. And uh, thank you once again, as always, for spending your time to listen to it, to uh, to help me to get the word out, which, you know, as we know by now is, is my heart, is just getting this word out, Word Without Walls Ministry. Um, so just thank you for your support. I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Amen.